Hallelujah. All right. Let's start with some prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for this for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to minister your word. As I stand in your presence, Father God, I give them the words of life. I teach your people distinction, Father God, that they might know, Father, what is of you and what is not of you. I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that, that these words, let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace to the hearers. I thank you, Lord God, for the grace of God in Jesus' name in our lives. Your word says, Father God, and of his fullness that we all received in grace for grace. Amen. Of your fullness, Father, we take, Father, we take that we might use this grace, amen, move us, to move us from one level of glory to another level of glory. I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Father, for your word. I thank you for your presence right now, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, for all that will be hearing the word today and those that will hear it in the future. I bless you and I give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I said, today is uh, September the 19th, and uh, it's a Sunday. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking today about all scriptures a blast. Amen. And the scripture says, obviously, in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the Word of God in, in, in that light. And we need to understand that, you know, all the Word, okay, is given by God, by the Spirit of God. These men were moved because they, they had a relationship with God. They stayed in His presence, amen. And Moses and, and, and all these guys and Joshua and David and, and, and Solomon and... Um, you know, and, and Jesus, and uh, the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, you know, Philip, all these guys had a relationship with the Father, amen. And they could come forth with the words of life, as Jesus said in John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words, which is the word rhema, that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. You see, it's not so much about knowing the Word of God by memorizing. It's about being quickened in your spirit and bringing breath to that Word. And that's what we're going to talk about today is that we're going to talk about the Spirit and we're going to talk about the breath of God and the life of God. Amen? But, like I said, you know, and it's the reason that's so important is because in between your spirit and between your body is your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, okay? And and the issue is, is that God wants us to be inspired, but He wants that inspiration to come from His Spirit, amen, inside of you. Not from your soul that's being inspired by the world and its ways and or demonic activity that the Scripture says the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should be shined unto them. You see, the light of the glorious gospel is coming out of your spirit, man. And I say spirit, man, because I'm not talking about genders here. I'm talking about the, the source, okay, your spirit, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, okay? And so we need to understand how God operates. And, and the way that he operates is he's going to move by your spirit. And that's important to understand as a son or daughter of God. And any time you... 
you try to mix up God's word with the world, you're you're in conflict. You're in what the scripture says, the word, the seed that's coming out of your mouth is mixed. And God hates that. God hates the seed to be mixed. Now, I'm, uh, I said that small little introduction because I want to read a section out of a book here called The Marismos, and this is called The Super Soul. Now, first of all, we need to understand that your soul, man, okay, your mind, your will, and your emotions, you are already alive before you got born again. And for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, being born again, it comes from John, um, John chapter 3, right? Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, okay? Let's go to that, John chapter 3. I'm going to read 1 through 8. John chapter 3, 1 through 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Amen. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can these things be? How can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Mm. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth. In other words, where it wants to. And you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And I'll pause right there and, and make a statement here. First of all, Jesus said you must be born again or you can't see it, which means to comprehend, to understand. You can't be, it can't be revealed to you without the Spirit. And you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. In other words, you've got to be physically born. You know, years ago when I was born physically. But also when I was 18 years old, that's when I was born again in the Spirit. So what I'm, the statement I'm making here is getting to is that I was alive those 18 years before I was born again. So where did my influence come? Where did my understanding come from? Where, where did I learn from, right? I learned from the world, right? I was Joseph before I got born again. I'm still Joseph after I get born again. But the problem is, is that my life is full of mixed and corruptible seed, right? So that seed... Right. Now the process begins. Now that I'm born again, the seeds that are corruptible start getting rooted out and the seeds that are incorruptible start getting planted. Now that planting and that germinating that seed takes time for it to mature, right? Just like a seed does that you plant in the ground today for any given thing that you plant, whether it be a flower, vegetables, fruits, right? A tree. So that seed like I said, it takes time to mature. Well, the point I'm making is, is that 
I was inspired by the world before I got born again. And even after I got born again, I was still receiving inspiration from the world. I didn't understand how to cooperate with God. I didn't understand how to cooperate with my spirit. I knew I was born again, amen, and I knew I had love of God. And I knew He forgave me for my sins. And I knew He was my Savior. But at that time in my life, He wasn't my Lord. His Word didn't dictate my life. Joseph, what you can do, Joseph, what you can do. You know, abstain from the appearance of all evil. You know, don't get involved in situations that are going to corrupt you and that are going to impress images in your mind that are not of me. So, Nicodemus was seeing it after the carnal man, right? The scripture says, it teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the natural man cannot receive the things of God, the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, he can't see, comprehend, or understand them, because they are spiritually discerned, pneumaticos discerned. You've got to hear it by the Spirit, you've got to see it by the Spirit, you've got to understand it by the Spirit. You can't see it in the natural eye. It's not a man's wisdom thing. As Paul said it again in 1 Corinthians 2, And I, when I came to you, O Corinthians, I didn't come to you in wisdom, in man's wisdom. Okay? Let me go read that scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. And my speech, which is the Greek word logos, my word, and my preaching was not with enticing words, logos, of man's wisdom. Wisdom is Sophia's. Sophisticated, In other words, I didn't come with, to you with sophistication from the world, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, powers dunamis, dynamite, explosive, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. You see? So, that's what we're talking about here, is not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom which is of God. Amen? And the scripture says, you know, had they known God's mystery and God's understanding in the Spirit, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know that God was bringing back to His people the Spirit of God, amen? The Holy Spirit of God. They didn't know that they were now going to be able to be filled with that precious Holy Spirit in their lives. And now their spirit is able to be inspired, driven, blown up, full of God. You see? And so again, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus was seeing it after the natural side. He couldn't understand or comprehend these things, right? And so, as it says here, that verse 10, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Your very Spirit is searching the deep things of God and the mysteries of God to bring you to a place of understanding of where you need to be in your relationship with God. We're all at different levels, right? We're not at the same level. And it's not important that you are or you're not to the degree that one is better than the other. What I'm saying is, is that everybody's at where they're at in the relationship with God. And that's where you need to be maintaining and until he brings you to that next level of grace, that next level of glory, that next level of faith, you see, until he brings you to that, you maintain where you're at. And then, as you grow, you move forward. And that's what the enemy doesn't want. He doesn't want that word to come into maturity in your hearts and in your lives. So he's doing everything to fight it and to keep you away from that word through distractions. As Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, 
and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, that seed does not bear what it's supposed to bring forth, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. <clears throat> so again, God wants us to be inspired by the right inspiration, by the right breath. Now, again, the soul, my soul was alive before I was born again. It was still alive after I was born again. But now the training process begins for my soul to be saved. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you, separate you, clean you up, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, which means in totality and completeness. And I pray, therefore, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It takes faith toward God, amen, to trust and believe that God is coming back for, to, to, to take us with him. We have to believe that. Amen. We have to believe it because the word says it. And we have to believe it because we live by faith. Now look, Hebrews chapter 10. The last two verses in Hebrews 38 and 39. It says, Now the just shall live by faith. But, but if any man draw back, in other words, draw back in your position and live by faith, draw back and begin to give the soul leeway, to where he can express himself outside of God, in other words, be moved by some, some other inspiration. If any man draw back my soul, God said, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The scripture says, without faith it's impossible to please him. It's the faith that you manifest in your life towards God, which is the second foundational principle in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. The second foundational principle, the milk bottle, Alright? If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them, that's what I profess, amen, the same as the word, we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. Perdition means ruin. We don't draw back to go backwards, amen, ruin of spiritual, uh, ruin or loss physically, spiritually, or eternally. We don't draw back to that. And we, and, and we don't draw back unto perdition. Draw back, again, is to, to be timid of one stealthily retreating. In other words, you shrink in your position. And again, I'll explain one, a Greek word here in a minute about that, but we are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The soul man must be trained and educated and discipled and taught to be a servant Amen. Before he comes into his work with the Lord. Every one of us have a work in God. Don't kid yourself. You can't just maintain and keep this for yourself. It's going to come out, glory to God. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus wouldn't have said that if he didn't know that as you get full of God, that it can only come one place and that's out of your mouth. Amen. Now, the scripture talks about the works of the flesh which are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, drunkenness, and it lists several. And drunkenness is the Greek word uh, methane. Methane means anything that intoxicates you, influences you, a chemical or a drug. 
Now, I'm saying that to say that, um, you know, that's where the enemy wants us. He wants us in that place of weakness, amen, where we can't make right distinction and right discernment. Now, another side of this is that the scripture in Matthew 4, okay, four, Matthew 4, I think it starts with verse 22, yeah, no, verse 23, 423. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all that were oppressed of, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. All right. And what I'm saying is, is that these demonic powers want to keep us weak in our trust and faith toward God. They want to lie to us and tell us that we need a lot of faith. No, Jesus said you need the God kind of faith. Amen. The grain of a mustard seed is enough to get the job done, glory to God. And he says that healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So the enemy wants to keep us weak and wants us to regress in our position and draw backwards. You see? And uh, this word... Uh, the second word there, manner of disease, if you look that up sometime in the Greek, it means um, softness, debility, bodily weakness, sickness. Debility is a word and it means weakness of a person, of a person's body or mind, especially one caused by illness. So we see right there that he was healing people of weakness caused by debility, in other words, an infirmity or sickness or disease. But now watch this. The root word that that word comes from is the word malakos, okay? Malakos means soft or soft to the touch. Metaphorically, in a bad sense, effeminate. Of a catamite boy, of a boy kept for homosexual relations with a man. Of a male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness. Of a male prostitute. So in other words, God wants mankind, the male, to draw back in his position so much that he forgets what it means to be a man of God, a son of God. The daughter forgets to be a daughter of God and what she is. And so he's planted all these seeds throughout our years of being alive before we were born again. It continues to plant seed unless we start understanding the way of God that those corruptible seeds must be rooted out, right, in our lives. And we replace with the incorruptible, which is the word of God that lives and abides forever. The word is forever. So he wants to keep us in that place of weakness. And, and, and interestingly here, it says a feminine of a catamite of a boy kept for homosexual purposes. You see, Jesus was already dealing with this perversion back in his day. And, and don't think that today we're not going to deal with the same kind of perversion. This is demonic, amen. What, what, the, in other words, you put it back in your position, your faith and trust toward God. Now the just shall live by faith. In other words, not living by faith and trust toward God is demonic. You're being inspired. Something's breathing on you. Something's inspiring you. Drawing you, pushing you back, pushing you back, pushing you back, pushing you back, pushing you back. And it's demonic. I'm going to read this now. I laid that little groundwork of foundation. If you want this book, email me createdisciples at gmail.com and I'll send it to you. It's very important that you understand about the soul and who's trying to give him breath and direction. And this chapter is chapter, chapter 8. 
And it's called, I'm sorry, chapter 6, and it's called the Super Soul. Some people think it is enough to find out that they are soulish and deal with that. And when I say soulish, I mean that you're acting and conducting your life contrary to God's word. You don't have any faith toward God. You don't, you know, you do what the word says not to do. You just, you don't even know the word. You just moving him in ignorance. But we're going to see further insight from the word of God that we can be super soul. And let's define our terms more fully. The Greek word for soul is suke, P-S-U-C-H-E. It is also translated life in certain instances. Another term for the word soul is sukiko, or natural. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man, sukiko's man, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually or pneumaticos discerned. This verse tells us two things about the sukiko's man, the natural man. He cannot receive the things of the Spirit, and he cannot know the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is so controlled and so ruled. He's ruled by his soul. That particular kind of person mentioned here is an unregenerate man. Yet, through the study of the Word of God, Sukikos and Sukkot, we find the same characteristics can be evolved in the life of a born-again person. He also can be ruled by Sukkot. That is why the Word admonishes the saving of the soul. The work of evangelism is not what we call soul winning. It is called spirit winning. Getting somebody born again is super easy. You must be born again, right? Give them that scripture in John 3, 8, and then Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved, right? Give them those scriptures, those few scriptures, and a person gets born again. But the soul, that takes years of training. Why? Because there's so many corruptible seeds in our hearts that have to be rooted out. When a person is born again, it is the spirit of a man that is a partaker of the divine nature. The Zoe, the life of God. But from the moment of the new birth, the process of the soul saving begins. So he receives divine nature. He receives the very life of God in his spirit. But now, we start the process of getting souls saved. Another term used incorrectly many times is supernatural. To be supernatural literally would be a super suke or a super soul. We do not need to be supernatural. We need to get over the intimidating connotation of super spiritual. There's nothing wrong with being spiritual. Oh, he's so spiritual. There ain't nothing wrong with that, glory to God. Would that be the testimony they're saying of Joseph, amen? And of all my brothers and sisters, look at all these spiritual people, glory to God. A spiritual house, amen, a royal priesthood. Now the soul loves to go towards the super sukikos, but does not want super spiritual. I don't understand what people mean when they say we need a super. I, I understand what people say when we, they say we need a supernatural move of God in the sense of being a move from above or beyond the natural dimension in which we live. But in terms of mankind, it would be more scriptural to say we need a super spiritual move of God. All right. Now the field of psychology and of the psychic deals of the psyche deals with the soulish area of man. Psychologists, psychology is from two words, Greek words, suke, the soul, and agia, the discourse. So actually, psychology is wrong as it's constituted today. It's called the study of the mind, but it's really the really the study of the soul and the discourse of the soulish realm, the mind, the will, and the emotions. What is the only thing that can separate the spirit and soul of a man? 
Only the word of God can bring about this separation according to Hebrews 4.12. Not psychology or psychiatry, nor doctors, theologians, nor pastors. Only the word of God can separate. The word brings the merest most. The word is the most powerful force in the earth today to reveal human behavior and all its traits. Apart from the word, you base your thinking on simple or natural observation that will bring confusion and misunderstanding. Psychology ends up being the soul of one person probing the soul of another. Consider some things about Adam and Eve. Much of the theology is based on the concept of man having two natures. That doctrine was developed in order to explain why people sin after they're born again. But the truth is seen in Adam and what God gave him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, body, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. When God imparted the spirit into Adam's body, he became a living soul, which means a living personality, an individual unique in personality, style, etc. Every person has a uniqueness that is precious, praise God. Yet people can become deceived by that thought and become full of pride thinking that they are really something. Hey, everybody, I'm here. Hey, look at me. All right? <laughs> In proper perspective, this uniqueness is the beauty of God's creativity, not something for which we can or should take credit to ourselves. The soul is a seat of personality, and each of us is different. We live through our personalities. However, our clothes may look in some aspects the same, but there are variations that show distinctiveness. You wear your hair differently, for example, because you just want to be you. There's nothing wrong with that unless you get over into the super soul area. The area of developing self-image and other things that go along with that, self-adoration, self-love, how to appreciate yourself more, 10 ways to better yourself, little by little, that road leads us into humanism. And from Genesis 3, 5, it says, Ye shall be as gods. Before Adam sinned, he had one nature. The nature of God, divine nature. But he had two lives. The life of himself, his spirit, Zoe, and the life of God himself. Jesus said that in the day that you seek to save your soul, you're going to lose it. Suke is the Greek word there. Did Adam go with the suke or the zoe? He went with the self-ruled life. When he sought to save it, he lost his suke. In the process of choosing his soulish lifestyle, he lost the zoe life of God left his spirit. In other words, when Adam and Eve made a choice outside of what God said not to do, God's spirit was no longer with them, and they died. Not physically, spiritually. Before sin, Adam had one nature and two lives. He sinned, he sinned and exchanged the divine nature for a sin nature. The result was that Adam had only one life. Now, it's his self-life. By concept, Adam and Eve became dualistic. They lost the Spirit of God. Now they're just soul body without a breath anymore of, of spirit. They had a sin nature and a self-ruled lifestyle. Selfishness motivated every decision. Sin became their nature. The suke became their life. Their soul became their life. This was still the condition of humanity when Jesus came. Now, 
Mm. The great exchange. Jesus came as the great exchange. He was going to exchange life for life and nature for nature. We had to get back into man. He had to get back into man. The divine nature removed the sin nature. He had to get back to man the Zoe or the life of the spirit. But he could not do that unless an exchange take place, took place. We understand what he did. He bore our sins. He bore our sicknesses and disease and anything else that went along with that. In fact, in reality, the reality is found in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and the good shepherd giveth his suke, his soul, for the sheep. Therefore doth my father love me, because I have laid down my soul, my suke, that I might take it again. John chapter 10, 11, 15, and 17 there. And what life did he give? Yet it pleased the Lord, this is Isaiah 53, 10, to bruise him. This is talking about Jesus Christ prophetically. And he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul, Hebrew word for soul is nephesh. The Greek word is suke, an offering for sin. What became an offering for sin? The soul. Did he sin? No. He was made an offering for sin. The lamb in the Old Testament did not die because of its sin, nor does the lamb of the New Testament, Jesus Christ. All right. Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. Thou shalt make his soul, not his spirit, an offering. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, Nefesh, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul, his nefesh, unto death. In other words, he died to himself. He took up his cross, denied himself, which is what we must do daily. The life of the flesh, according to Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you, to you upon the altar for an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The word life here is the word nefesh, soul, nefesh. The soulish life is in the blood. And it was his blood that was poured out. When you start looking at redemption, you find out that the terms blood and soul are synonymous. So what got poured out when he died? His soul, his life. His very existence, his very desires and dreams and hopes and visions. He laid it all down, but he was able to take it back up when he was resurrected, amen? But now, he's, 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 no, longer offend, he, he's no longer living for himself. Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said that he would lay down his suke life, self-life. Even as a son of man came not to be ministered, diakoneered unto, served. Diakoneer is where we get the word deacon. But to minister, to, to, to serve and give his suke a ransom for many. He paid the price so that me and you could live. And guess what, body of Christ? you got to pay the price. If you want others to live, if you want others to experience God, the presence of God, the healing of God, the anointing of God, the, the teaching power of God, the prophetic word of God, the apostolic work of God, the evangelistic work of God. If you want these things in those lives of the people, 
then you've got to lay down your soul too. And you've got to die to yourself and go through this process of being a disciple. Amen. This is the way of God. 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his suke, his soul, for us. We ought to lay down our suke, our soul, for the brethren. So what did he give? He gave his spirit. Did he give his spirit or he gave his soul, suke, an offering for sin? According to the word, he laid down his suke. Why? He laid down his self-life because that was what Adam lost. That was what Adam took up in the garden. In other words, Adam took his soul. Jesus gave his soul. And when Adam chose the self-life, he lost the, the Zoe life, God's life, the Spirit of God. But when Jesus laid down his suke, his soul, he brought back to mankind the life of God in spirit. He had to give up his soul that you and me might have the life of God eternally. And I'm not just saying that someday I'm going to live eternally. I'm talking about right now. Eternal life is the Greek word. Life is Zoe, God's life all the time, every day every hour every minute of our lives being inspired being understanding coming to our lives inspiration the it is the spirit of god amen that brings the life of god the wisdom of god it's all right here in your spirit and it needs to come out by faith toward god as you see is the word and you see the word and you say i believe that and he bear the sin of many Amen. And made intercession for the transgressors. I am come that they might have Zoe and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10, 10, Isaiah 53, 12 there. When Adam sinned, he lost his Zoe life. All he had left was his self-life and the sin nature. And when Jesus came and paid the price of Calvary, he provided righteousness for us and a new nature. Instantly, people could be born again and receive the divine nature. But it was obvious that the soul was still around. The soul man needed to get into the word and get dealt with. And at that moment of being born again, man goes into a double-minded lifestyle. A matter of standing in two ways, with two trees to partake of the tree of life, which is Jesus, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the world, and the demonic rule of the world. <clears throat> wow. Well, I'm going to cut off there, but I'll continue this on Thursday. We're going to start with the nature of the soul. And like I said, if you want this book, all you need to do is email me, createdisciples at gmail.com, and I'll send it to you. Let me show you. Let, let me type that out there for you. All right, there's the email. If you guys want this book, it's important, I'm telling you. Now, we're going to go ahead and get into our, our outline, okay? <clears throat> and because it, it so directly ties in with what I've been sharing with you, let me post up the outline there so if you want to look at it. Alright. And there's the outline. That's what I'm going to be covering right there. So the, the scripture says, okay, so again, get us to a place where we can be inspired and driven by God, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16 2 Timothy 3.16, we'll go back to that again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Inspiration of the God, inspiration of God means divinely breathed. All scripture, you must believe that the word of God is absolute authority. Absolute authority. The scripture says, 
In 2 Corinthians 10, 13, But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule, which God has distributed to us a measure to reach even unto you. The first word measure is the Greek word amatros, which means no or not. In other words, not in your boundary. You're immoderate, you're excessive is what the word means. So we're not going to boast excessively. But we're according to the measure of the rule. The measure of the rule measures the word metron. Rule is the word canon. Paul says, I'm going to, I'm going to boast in the measure of the rule of God, which God has distributed to us a measure, a metron to reach even unto you. In other words, the word of God is what can reach into our lives and bring us into that place where we understand our place and our part with the Lord. But many of us are living outside of our measure. For example, I know how to work in computers and routers and switches and firewalls and all these technology things, storage, all these things, okay? That's what I've been trained in. I've been doing it now for quite a while. But I'm not an electrician. I'm not a plumber. That doesn't mean I couldn't do some electrical work, some plumbing, but I'm limited. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm very limited in those areas. But you, to get me to talking about IT and technical things, man, I'm all over it. See, I don't have strength in that. That's not my metron. Let's put another example. I'm not a good singer. I could sing in D and E maybe, but all the other keys I'll fall flat. I can't go too low. I can't go too high. Why would I even pursue that? That's <laughs> called out of your metron. If you're in your metron, metron, you're in your grace. You're in your strength. And the reason I'm saying that because it's the Word of God that can teach you and show you and under, cause you to understand that. It can bring that understanding to your life. Now. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, which means thoroughly furnished, equipped unto all good works. You see, God, God wants us to work in the good works. He doesn't want us working in dead works, which means following our own soul and, and therefore being inspired by the wrong breath. He wants us inspired by his spirit as he brings the life. And then we do the work in the soul and the body of God, the good word. Now, the Greek word um, theo, the Greek word for inspired is the word divinely breathed, God breathed, indwell, inhale a thought of God, exhale the purpose of God. So when God breathes and inhales, He exhales His purpose, and the exhale, and then the exhales when you get the life. Amen. Just like you breathe in and out. God breathes in and out, in our spirits. Amen. And that life of God is bringing forth purposes, plans, visions, dreams, desires. But they're coming from your spirit. And they're coming to a soul that's been disciplined, trained. Okay? When you get the purpose of God and you start to understand what God has for your life, there's still a, uh, there is still a promise that has to come to pass before you come into the performance of that. And it's the same way in the Word of God. The Scripture talks about Abraham, Romans chapter 4. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Staggered is the word diachrono, which means he didn't fall back. I mean, he didn't hesitate or pause in what God said. That's what that word, part of that word means. At the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief is the Greek word epistia. I mean, yeah, 
which means no faith. In other words, he believed God absolute for what God had said in his word. So it says that he staggered out at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So you've got to be persuaded by faith toward God that God has spoken these things into your life when you move with God. You see? And then, what he's promised, what you see, what you're persuaded in, he's able also to perform it. But in the middle of the persuasion of what's promised and the performance, there's a preparation. In other words, you must maintain trust and faith towards God throughout our whole walk with God. That's what's going to please God, amen? Now, so the word, the Greek word, the 2315, which is the word theo, let's see here, theopneustos. It comes from two words, theos, which is God, divinity, deity, and then neo, which means to breathe hard, to wind, wind and breeze. Webster says that to stimulate to activity. All right. Now, John 60, 63, here's two things that Jesus said. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing, Nicodemus, as he said in John 3 over there. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Zoe is the words life and Greek word for spirit is pneuma. Pneuma and Zoe. Okay, so again, talking about Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus couldn't see it because he was seeing after the carnal, right? You're not going to see it if you're living carnal. As a matter of fact, if you want to move into things in the presence of the power of God, you cannot be walking in the carnal mind. If you want to move into things of God, you must be a spiritual daughter and spiritual son of God. You can't do it outside of that. And if you are, then you're in vain because it's not of God. It's called a dead work. So he said that the words are life, the words are zoe, and the word Greek word, word there is the word rhema, which means the spoken words, okay? They are life, zoe, and they are life, uh, the words are spirit and the words are life. They're coming forth out of the spirit, and they're bringing forth the life of God, amen? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 4. Well, I'll tell you what, this is probably a mainstay scripture that I pray almost every day of my life. He says there, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Amen. That's what the word says, that the words are health, the words are life. John chapter 3, verse 8, I read it earlier, the wind blows where it listed, and you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Amen. You can hear the words of God if you're walking after the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Mm. Isaiah 55, 11. And here's the thing, is that the purpose of the breath is to bring life to the Word, breath to the, to the Word. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, 
but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I send it. You see, when you when you put breath and life to God's word, you're sending that word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Somebody had to put breath to that word and speak that word out. Amen. You understand? It's the same thing today in your in your lives. You've got to put the word out there. And the scripture says in Psalm 103, I think it's Psalm 103, 20. Let me look. Hmm. Yeah, praise God. Bless the Lord, ye angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, that hearken, hearkening unto the voice of his word. See, when you put the word in your mouth, somebody is listening. They're called angels of God. And they represent God's word in the earth. They only represent. They never substitute God's word. The ones that did substitute are called demons. And look where they're at. The scripture says they're walking about in dry places, man. Life is dry to the bone for them. So, again, these words and the breath of God and the life of God that we bring to the word of God by our spirit, by his spirit, is, is important. Amen. Look at Job chapter 32, verse 8. Job chapter 32, verse 8. Hmm. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. I'll tell you what, boy, I'll tell you, in my life, I'm so grateful when, when, when the understanding comes on a matter or on, on a word that God's working in me. It's such a blessing, amen, that all of a sudden you see so clearly everything, and, and, and all of a sudden you see these scriptures and you tie them all together, you know. And it's such a blessing, amen, to get that understanding from the Father, from your spirit, man. <coughs> Praise God. So again, it is a spirit, there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. The word inspiration means a puff, a wind, angry or vital breath, divine inspiration, intellect or Concretely, an animal. In other words, even animals have breath. Amen. They they've got to live. Amen. Just like we do. But it says here too that uh, where does it say that? I think it's in the root word here. You know, uh, angry or vital. In other words, even even when your nose flares up. You can see, amen, that there's about there's about to be a manifestation here. In other words, uh, the soul is about to become an animated and rise up, okay? But it says the blast of the breath of his nostrils, okay? I want to look at some scriptures here to give you an understanding how, how awesome this is with God and what, he, what we have in the spirit, amen? With him, the scripture says in Job 12, 13, is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. With him, right? Now, where is with him? In your spirit, praise God. Right here, there's wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding, and he's ready to break it forth and distribute it. Amen? Out of your spirit. But you've got to spend time with God. You've got to spend time in his presence. Amen? 
You've got to commune with God in Jesus' name. Pour over those scriptures, man. All of a sudden, He breathes on it for you. Open thou mine eyes, as He says in Psalm 119, that I might behold wondrous things out of the book of thy law. Job 38, 36. Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who did all that? God did all that for you and for me and our spirits. Praise God. Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Where does it come out? It comes out in your spirit. And God brings inspiration to that into your soul. All of a sudden you begin to comprehend and understand. Glory to God. Whew. Man. I want to read one more of those. This is Daniel 1.17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I pray that for my family. I pray that for the body of Christ, brothers and sisters that God has put in my life. That God has given them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And that we have understanding in visions and dreams. In other words, the scripture says no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. What God said to one man is applicable to another brother or sister. You must have faith toward God. Amen. That's how you work this word. You mix it with faith toward God. Now, let's look at a, Psalm 18, 15. Then were the channels of water seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered. At thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. The word blast, amen, is the word inspiration. Then the foundations were discovered. In other words, in our lives, you want to get to that place where the rivers and waters are flowing, and you want to be inspired by God, you want to get that inspiration of God, where the foundations of the world are discovered. In other words, as you walk around, you're able to see clearly after the spirit and the soul, amen? For all things, Hebrews 4, 13, for all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The more word to do is the word logos. The more logos, the more you can see after the Spirit. That's why you must pour into this word. You must get involved with the word. Man. Daniel 2.22. Daniel 2.22. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. In other words, the more you draw nigh to God, the more he's revealing. See, when you come close to the Lord, anything that's carnal in your life, anything that's out of order in your life, God is going to expose it by the word. That's his way. If you want more of God, then you better get ready for more dealings of God, because that's how it works. What son is he? The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, 5. Start with verse 5. What's in his evil when the father does it correct? Are you bastards and not sons? The bastard, the carnal man, won't receive correction, but the spiritual man will. The fully matured son or daughter of God will. Amen? Mm. Mm. Counsel and understanding. I read that one earlier. His inspiration is wisdom and understanding. Out of his mouth, Proverbs 2 6. Look at that one. 
Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Where? Where does it come out? It comes out through your spirit, and as he breathes it, amen? As he brings life to it. <coughs> amen. The word, amen, the word is life, amen? The breath of life. The scripture says in, in Genesis 2, 7, that God breathed into him the breath of life. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Amen. The inspiration of life. And man became a living soul. He could live now. His soul could be expressive, but not offensive to the Lord. Amen. Man. Praise God. So God breathed. And in order to breathe out, he had to breathe in. And then when he breathed out, he became a living soul. Amen. The breath of God, the lungs, the air came from the lungs of God. Man, that's beautiful. He gave inspiration to the living soul. Nefesh is the Hebrew word for soul. He gave him life and he gave him understanding. He gave him comprehension. He gave him wisdom. Amen. He breathed into his nostrils. Amen. He gave him all the skill and understanding and comprehension in the spirit. Man. God's words are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth the, the flesh profiteth nothing. The rhemas that I speak unto you, they are Numa and they are Zoe. Glory to God. He came ex into existence. He came to pass. He came to cause. He came alive. He came to be. And when you don't know how to live, you're negative and fearful. You're unsure. I wonder, you know, you don't have any understanding of what decision or choice to make. The scripture says in Psalm 1, 1, Blessed is he who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Amen? This is that man that, 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 that's being inspired and he goes to the world for that inspiration. But that man is not blessed. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Man. One side is breath, one side is life, amen. One side is carnal, one side is spiritual. Second Corinthians 3, 6. Who hath also made us able ministers, glory to God, of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Right? For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. See, what's, what's interesting about that carnal man is that most of what he's coming forth with is all legalism. I know these things. You don't have to tell me these things. Yeah, you know them, but you don't have no life of God when you're breathing them out. It's all life of you. It's all life of your soul. Wow. We need, God wants us, God wants the inspiration in our lives to come from him. Not from our unsaved, unregenerate souls with all these corruptible seeds. And not from the God of this world, the cosmos, the super soul. 
And like I said, next week we'll get into that a little bit more. I'm talking about that soul of mine. He wants inspiration. He needs inspiration. But he must get it from the right source. Amen. The blast of the breath of his nostrils is where God wants to, God breathes in our spirit. That's the breath that he wants to come out. As it says again in Isaiah, so shall the word of the Lord be that goes forth out of my mouth. The breath. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Do you understand? This is where God wants us to live from. If we live in the Spirit, the Scripture says, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us walk by that divine inspiration. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. You see? God wants us to be inspired. He wants that breath to come from Him. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for your breath in our spirits. Amen. I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. It is the Spirit that quickeneth that makes alive the flesh profiteth nothing the words the rhemas that you speak unto us they are spirit in their life these are the words that we want to come forth with amen full of faith full of hope full of trust and confidence towards you O god and everything that we're involved in in our lives and whatever is not of you lord god let it be torn down let it be moved out of the way let it be burned in jesus name let it be consumed in jesus name Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the body of Christ, for the many brothers and sisters that are partaking today. I thank you, Lord God, that you inspire them, Lord God. You lift them up in their spirits, O God, in Jesus' name. I bind all the demonic realm and the realm of Satan and his inspirations and his influences that are all corruptible. I rebuke the corruptible seed and I declare incorruptible seed, Lord God. Let it be planted. Let it be sown into the hearts and the lives of the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for those that are hearing and those that are seeing and comprehended by the Spirit. And the many, many, many that will see and comprehend by the Spirit in the future. Amen. And understand and hear in Jesus' name as they hear your words. Thank you, Lord God, for this tremendous opportunity to stand in your presence, Father, and minister your word to your people. I give you praise and I bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.